This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show here on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, Utah Jazz beat writer for KSL.com. We got Zach Harper back from the NBA Finals. Yeah. Uh, has been traveling around the world during these NBA playoffs and is now finally back in Salt Lake City after visiting the lovely locales of San Francisco, Which Oakland, I love. and Cleveland. And not, I don't love Cleveland. Yeah, I don't know if that's traveling the world. Yeah, Cleveland, I don't know. San Francisco. It feels like a different world sometimes. Uh, there's Salt Lake City in there, too. <laughs> sure. Layovers, uh, good layovers. Los Angeles. Layovers, St. Louis layover. Uh, Dallas. See? Big time. That's, that's all over the world. I mean, I have a very localized there definition were, of world. There were international people. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Basically, it's more than what we have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Ben Anderson as the other voice you hear on your radio, uh, KSL.com contributor, and now KSL News Radio person, I guess. Person. That's person. a very good description. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing either, but okay. person is good. Well, it's, it's lovely to have you back on the airwaves. Um, so, we got one week until Jazz draft, and I guess the rest of the NBA teams do too, the NBA draft on June 22nd. Uh, we talked a lot about draft prospects yesterday, so I, I don't want to. Last wanna, week, sorry, yes, thank you. Last week, uh, but so I don't necessarily want to go in and do the scouting report thing again this week. Instead, I want to do a bigger picture thing. Uh, we'll talk about kind of what the Jazz want to do with their 24th pick, 30th pick, 42nd pick, and 55th pick. We'll also hear from Zach about his experience at the NBA Finals. Get us give us some first person stories, if you will, from sure. uh, from your time in both places uh, around the world, as some people would say. And then um, in the second hour of the show, at, in 8 o'clock, we're going to do a mock draft yeah. and go through the, through the whole draft, figure out who we want to draft. And if we were running each of those teams, we'll just rotate in threes. And, and oh, that, let's one. not do one through 60. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just let's... one through 45 should be fine. Because <laughs> that's where that third tier kind of ends is right. 45. No one wants to go beyond that. Right, exactly. Or, or 10. Yeah. Or, or 15, maybe. We'll see. We maybe yeah. get the first round let's, done. Let's get no. to the Jazz picks. Okay. Let's keep I mean, it locally. That's 30 picks, yeah, that's, right? That's, that's, uh, we can do a, it. Yeah, we can do it. Okay. What else are we going to do? Right. There's yeah. nothing going I mean, on. Right. I um, mean, I was confu- I'm confused. I, I thought you guys were going to be teams and I got to be LeVar Ball. Oh. That was my understanding. Though. So you're just going to say no. Right. <laughs> it, would end, it would end at two teams, three teams. Like there wouldn't be much going on there. Unless we're the Lakers. I like it. By the way, I like uh, LeVar Ball's, or I guess Lonzo Ball's new footlocker ad. That was, that that was great. Quality content. Very, very. Very self-referential and self-aware. I do I have say. that up in today's From Left Field on KSL.com, which, uh, yeah, is a quality, semi-quality article I do Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> anyway. Quality let's... Tuesdays, semi-quality Thursdays. Yeah. That's how you sell it. <laughs> it's uh, not my best work, but it's right. it's some content. So, anyway, um, I want to talk about all that stuff. The other thing is the Gordon Hayward stuff. Uh, there's been a lot of, like, non-rumors about Gordon Hayward over the last week, from Instagram posts to Instagram followings to uh, Tim McMahon having you some know rumors. I've heard some things. You've Oh. I've heard some things. Are you, are you going to share those things? Why not? Or you what do I have to, what do, I have to yeah. do? Let's... let's let me ask first for tweets. Okay. If you guys want to tweet us at Andy B. Larson, at Talk Hoops, at Ben K. Fan. Um, you can tweet us questions, comments, concerns during the show. Um, but let's go, in here, go ahead and hear your Gordon Hayward things. So I don't, I don't know quite how to parse this stuff out because 
it is all outside of the Utah perspective and the Utah, you know, kind of um, basketball community. And so when that stuff happens, I do kind of I take it with a huge grain of salt because I don't really know how I don't know if it's people wishing something into reality by just putting it out there or if it's actual stuff that you can you can go off of. But I would say the majority of the people I've talked to uh, covering the NBA in the NBA, um, you know, connected to the NBA, believe he's leaving. Mm-hmm. But none of it's coming from his camp. I'll say that. Like, none of it comes from his camp. So I don't really know how to how to deal with that because there are a lot of people who also think, like, Blake Griffin's going to leave. Right. So and, and that one I don't really believe. So I don't know what to do with this information. I just know that there are a lot of people who think Gordon's gone. I'll say this. It, both the Celtics and the Heat camp can't be right, right? Like, they both think right, exactly. that Gordon's going to their respective cities. Exactly. There's only one Gordon Hayward. Um, but I think that is worrying for Jazz fans that those teams are as confident as they are that they can get him. You know, it's, right. it's kind of like a San Antonio with LaMarcus Aldridge situation or, heck, even Phoenix with LaMarcus Aldridge right. where Portland still thought they had a chance of keeping him and then really it, it never seemed like Portland was among his top two choices even. Right, or, or I mean, Dwight Howard with the Lakers, right? Sure. I mean, he was never going to go back to the Lakers and right. – um, and it made it seem like for a while that he would. And I don't. I mean, that's not to compare Gordon Hayward and Dwight Howard, but like you, there are some of these situations where you just never know. Yeah, I will say that I, I don't think the Gordon Hayward or Jazz situation is is toxic. Like no, I don't. Yeah, I agree and, with you that. Know, I don't know that there's really any disagreement between the Jazz yeah. and Gordon Hayward. I just think that Gordon may think it's possible that it, it, you, know, you can do things bigger and better somewhere else. You guys remember when Crash won Best Picture at the Academy Awards? Yeah. And really the talking point there was either Brokeback Mountain's going to win it or Capote's going to win it. And then they just split up and it ended up going to Crash and surprised everybody. Maybe that's the Hayward situation. Oh. Maybe, you know, Brokeback Mountain is Miami or is Boston (laughs) or whatever, and Capote is the other. And then you just say, those two have enough good things, but not enough great things that someone out of left field is going to win it or the Jazz are going to keep him. Right. Like, maybe those two guys split up Gordon Hayward or make him indecisive enough that he says, well, I'll just stick with what I know because this is the best thing I know because Miami offers one thing and that makes it tough and Boston offers another thing and that makes it tough, but the Jazz can offer more money and that's a guarantee and I know I'm the star here and maybe maybe I'll just stick with that. I will say if we need a crash-esque upset for Gordon Hayward to stay in Salt Lake City, then that's a big decrease from what you know. I think the Jazz think they are because I've sure. talked to Jazz people who think that he's staying here, right? Right, I mean, exactly. Right. The Jazz seem very confident that he that he's staying. Yeah, so I, I, that's, I have... No idea either. And I mean, none of us are friends with Gordon Hayward, right? Like, he's. I wouldn't tell you if I was. <laughs> my source. I'm not going to uh, burn my source like that. <laughs> my source is Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I, I think that it's not anything against the Jazz in this situation. From what, from what I've heard, it's the understanding that things will be easier in the East. Right. You know, if you go to Miami, that's a pretty good team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's a contender, but that's a pretty good team that has really a team to topple. If you go to Boston, that is a team trying to topple that team and not close, but but they're up there, right? And they can make some moves and they've got a lot of pieces that can that could form a real dangerous thing. And LeBron's thirty two at this point. That's right. a lot different than staying in the West where the four main warriors are all in their late twenty you know, mid to late twenties, and you know like this is gonna be really hard to topple over the next you know, four years or over the duration of this contract. So I think it's more of a not make things easier, but just this is a different situation I would like to traverse. It's interesting that that matters so much because, you know, it's it's basically whether or not you lose to the Warriors in the conference finals or the NBA finals, right? Because I, I don't think that the Boston Celtics or Miami Heat with Gordon Hayward and whoever else they can get, 
I, I you know, I, I still think that team probably loses to the oh, Warriors. Oh, one hundred percent. And so, you know, it's it's just kind of how soon you lose to them, which right. it does ma- matter for you know in terms of recognition and all of those things. Losing in the finals is a big is a big step forward from from losing in in the conference finals. I'm going to put on my conspiracy theory hat. Going back to oh, the, boy. the the seventy eighth Academy Awards here. No, not not, <laughs> not there. But, okay, Kevin Durant praised the Jazz, saying he thinks they're going to be a good team if they keep everyone together, right? That's kind of the news that Jazz fans are excited about, other than Damian Lillard saying he would play for the Jazz if the Blazers, for some reason, didn't want him. But that's kind of the thing that has Jazz fans excited right now. Does Kevin Durant want Gordon Hayward to stay in Utah, not go to Boston? Because if he goes to Boston, they have enough pieces, if we've mentioned, whether they can go out and trade for Jimmy Butler and make a deal like that and already have Al Horford and have the number one pick because they still have the Nets pick next year. And you can probably get Jimmy Butler for that pick plus one of your young players, Marcus Smart or whoever. You do that, and all of a sudden you do have a super team. You are yeah, not, I mean, really you're not Golden State good, but you're close to maybe as good as what we think the Cavaliers are going to be, especially if the rumor is that LeBron might be looking at going to Los Angeles. All of a sudden you are the best team in the East. So Kevin Durant's trying to get... Gordon Hayward to stay in Utah to prevent Boston from becoming another super team. I think that's a little convoluted, but it also makes me think, hey, Boston can become a super team more realistically than the Jazz can, certainly, and and more more realistically than Miami can. Yeah, I don't know that I buy the the conspiracy theory that you know, like in this interview with Bill Simmons, right. twenty four hours after the finals, <laughs> right. he's like, aha, <laughs> sure. I have figured out the key, and he's worried about Hayward. Right, right. Gordon Hayward has to, yeah, you know it. it I don't know that that actually plays out that that way in Kevin Durant's mind. He's probably just happy. But it does but. work in my head that Boston has the best opportunity to become a super team of teams available out there, right. and Gordon Hayward is a smart guy and can play those steps forward. Yeah, I, I don't actually disagree with that. So some of the things that have happened this week, uh, first of all, there's a Shamrock t-shirt on poor Bernie Ooh, Hayward's. Oh, boy. On her back, Robin Hayward made some questionable clothing decisions. Um, no, of, no, they're people fine. like shamrocks. People do. It's one of and the it's... one of the lucky charms. Can I play like the expert card here? Is the only person here who has kids, and I just I no. know my wife knows. I don't know what I'm dressing my kids in. Like I don't know how to dress my daughter at all. I'm not lying. <laughs> right. I just throw on what the first things I pull out. This is my favorite segment. It's also is how ben, I dress ben myself. <laughs> it's also how I dress myself. I just the first thing that's there. I've made sure I don't have mismatching clothes, so I can't make any mistakes. <laughs> My kids are only mismatching clothes, and so it's like sweats and a weird sweatshirt, and it's 85 degrees outside, and my mom gets mad, and my wife gets mad, and everyone gets mad at me for how I dress my kids. But my wife doesn't make that mistake, and my mom doesn't make that mistake, and I don't think Robin would make that mistake of being so ignorant about what she's putting her kids in, and then putting it on Instagram like that, where it's the very center of the photo. I just, now I'm going to give her more credit than that. Who do we think took the photo? Do we think it was Gordon? Do we think it was a nanny situation? A friend? Because if it's Gordon... If it maybe maybe the younger one, yeah, the other baby, um, the one year old. If it's if it's Gordon, that is a clear. So I mean, remember when we were like, oh my God, LeBron's wearing a Yankee hat. He's yep. going, to the Knicks. going to the Knicks. That's what this is. Sure. Uh, did he? Uh, he did not. Almost. <laughs> okay. He was one of the five or six teams he could have gone to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not doubt that Gordon Hayward will have a meeting with the Celtics. Um, I, I guess in order for this conspiracy theory to be true, he would have to like know that he was going to the Celtics and then want to troll jazz fans slash signal that he was going to or right maybe, like maybe it's not him. He's not in the photo. Maybe he's not the one who's trying to troll anybody. And I'm not saying Robin's trying to troll anybody either. But you can have some fun in this situation. Or maybe they know they're not leaving. Maybe that, they know they're going to the jazz and he just wants she she just wants to have some fun. That is all I would do if I were an NBA player. Exactly. I, I would just throw out these really dumb hints that don't mean anything and just let people decipher them. Right. That brings me to my second 
Hint, like every of, tweet is going to be eyeballs looking agency. left. Right. right. Every exactly. other, or, or, you know, Boogie yeah. Cousins, like the grass and the snake, even though we know what he was talking about there. Right. They're all cryptic. Every tweet I'm saying, hey, Derek Favors, every tweet mm-hmm. he sends out is really, really cryptic. We've got, I, so Isaiah Thomas followed Gordon Hayward for a brief moment and then actually unfollowed him for some reason. Isaiah Thomas's wife followed Robin Hayward and still follows her. And then in response to this madness, Rudy Gobert followed Chris Paul. And that's just Rudy being Rudy. Rudy, right. Can I have a really hot take? Will we stop just following people's wives? It's, no. It's really weird. That's how you know. That's how you know the coverage. I mean, we were we were stalking Dan Gilbert's private plane. Yeah. Right. Not sure. us specifically, sure. but as a the as a culture. Patterns. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised we don't follow more family members. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Cuban driving around Los Angeles right. apparently <laughs> looking for DeAndre Jordan or whatever the story was. Like they're hilarious stories. They're so. Oh, it's creepy. They do nothing good it's for you. Super it's creepy. so bad to like. Don't follow Derek Favors' wife or girlfriend, or Rodney Hood's wife or girlfriend, or Gordon. Hay- it's just it's so too much. I'll I'll say this. I don't like. I think it can go more before, and I'm not saying it should go more, but it, like you look <laughs> it at can what certainly happens. Go more. Oh, you look okay, at what yeah. happens with like actual celebrities, right? And you've got paparazzi. I mean, you, you re- remember that James Harden story from a couple months ago where. When he was dating Chloe, instead of having nobody waiting for the hotel, waiting at the, at the hotel, waiting for him to come out, instead there were twenty photographers and and you know paparazzi from right. TMZ, et cetera. Following someone on Instagram isn't like a I I, I don't see it as a, a as a problem with privacy. Well, yeah, especially if they don't make their Instagram account private. Right. right. I mean that's their choice; that, exactly. they can do that. But then again, the fact that they don't should give you a sense that you're not trying to gleam anything from them or take anything from them. If they're just putting it out there, I don't know if you then source that. I don't know if you then, you know, like read into that because they are making it public. And if they are making it public and then they're trying to like be this own leaking source, then they just, they're trying to get attention. And that's, that might be the worst of the situation. Uh, Gordon Hayward does have a video game conference scheduled in at the Salt Palace in September here in Salt Lake City. Ooh. So that would be awkward if don't he, come back if you don't sign. Don't, if you, don't, if you, you dare, don't sign. You don't can't come you back. dare log in. No, if you don't if you don't resign. <laughs> here. What's his gamer tag? Do we know? Uh, I do know. Uh, like that one might be a privacy thing. Oh really? I thought because he did all his little video games online and he showed everyone. I thought everyone knew what it no, was. No, so he has like a Twitch thing where like uh, he has a streaming okay. thing that everyone. Can but he doesn't see. say what. But like, he doesn't his say hey like hit whatever, me up at whatever video game is. This, okay. I, guess. I didn't know that. Uh, has he opted out? No, he has not. Uh, what if he, he has forgets? until <laughs> he could forget. Could be like an Anthony. What was it? Anthony Carter. Yes. Uh, situation. He does have until June 30th to do so. Um, Mark Bartlestein is like an actual quality agent, and so we'll probably Yeah, he's that. he's been here before. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'll probably figure it out. But is there a reason he hasn't? And Andy, you've talked about some of the reasons why he may not be if he's betting on himself to become All-NBA next year. But, he can still sign that Supermax. Yeah, but he could he would still he could still opt out and do that. Okay. So there's he will absolutely 100% opt out. Okay. I'm, yeah, there's, there's no reason for him not to. Uh, Except he hasn't done it yet. Except he hasn't done it yet, but no other player has. I, I, you know, he'll do it on June 30th, like every other okay. player. Um, and then we have this quote from your the podcast you were on, the basketball analogy from yes. ESPN. Uh, and ESPN's Tim McMahon had this to share about uh, Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I, I do hear on this isn't coming from Gordon Hayward's camp, so it's I would put this under the gossip category and not the necessarily reporting category but i do hear that hayward has significant concerns about playing with isaiah thomas in other words he wants the ball in his hands he doesn't just want to watch isaiah uh dribble around and do his thing 
So, in other words, I, the way I would read that is he wants to be a number one guy somewhere. Well, also, I mean, there I don't know that he necessarily wants to be a number one guy. I think that there are a lot of players around the NBA who like the heart of Isaiah Thomas. They don't want to play with him mm. because he's not a very sharing guy, right? Like, he yeah. takes a lot of shots. He has high usage. Um, he's not really an assist guy. Like, I think it's a lot like playing with Kyrie Irving. I don't think it's a detriment necessarily, but you don't feel like this guy is going to get you involved consistently. What team is he on? Is he on his third team right now? Do he start Sacramento, Phoenix, yeah. Boston? Right. Yeah. Uh, he's on at least his third team. Okay, there's a reason for that. Right. He can score 30 points a game and he's on his third team. Yeah. They, I mean, those guys move around for a reason. And, and some of it's because of his height and some of it's because he wasn't a 30-point per score when he first got in the league. Right, and he's gotten but a he's lot better. he's been good everywhere yeah. he's gone. Right. I mean, he was good in Sacramento and then he was really pretty good uh, when he got down to Phoenix and they, then they still yeah. traded him. Right. Now they made a bunch of mistakes and they traded everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that wasn't a well-run organization, but... We've all kind of assumed that he's going to be on the trade block again next year. Right. Or Isaiah Thomas. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, I really think that he will he will re-sign with the Celtics on a gigantic deal in 2018, and they will trade him the next year. Yep. On that deal. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think makes some sense. That's probably Absolutely. when his trade value will be at its peak. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But if Gordon Hayward doesn't want to play there, and you, know, you, you say, hey, we're going to sign IT to an, a big extension, but we swear we're going to trade him in the first couple, you know, like... That that's not a great pitch to give to Gordon. Hayward. It's a weird pitch for sure, but I I do think I think there's part of it where Gordon would trust Stevens and Ainge to come through on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it did, if they didn't, then you know Bartlestein will have a day with them, right? right. Like I mean, that's that true. could cause. I think it's a potential hurdle to get over, but I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it means more. I think it says more about Isaiah's future with the Celtics if they if Gordon decides to go there than it does anything else. So who's who's more of a sure thing over the next four years? Who's guaranteed to be the better player, Hayward or Isaiah Thomas? Is oh, that a ridiculous? Hayward. Hayward's yeah. better. Yeah. D- don't get me wrong, and he's a more complete player. Isaiah Thomas put up thirty. I think Hayward should have been an MVP candidate. At yeah. least talked about it a little bit more this year and made the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. I think Hayward is by far the best player of the two over the next four years. I don't think there's anything close in that regard. I think Isaiah is more likely to get accolades. If that makes sense. But you're okay bringing in Hayward with the understanding that he's going to replace Isaiah Thomas and you're going to move Isaiah Thomas because you now have Hayward. If you believe in Fultz that much, which I think they do. Hmm. Yeah. That's the thing is they have the replacement point guards. Right, exactly. Unless you believe they're looking at Josh Jackson, like is the rumor. Which I do not believe at all. That was was reported today by ESPN's Chad Ford uh, that they may be considering Josh Jackson there uh, again. I, I don't know that I buy it. And it's kind of a secondhand source too, where another right. team's GM thinks that the Celtics are considering right. Josh Jackson. Um, We've got a couple mentions on Twitter that I want to ask. Uh, first of all, Andrew Snyder asks if we can tie you up, Zach, or something, and then bring bring him out of the out for the show every week forever. Uh, Your thoughts? Kidnapping. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, look, I, I'm a. I love Celtic Pride. That's a great movie. That's about kidnapping. Um, what's the <laughs> other movie? House Arrest. Yeah. With uh, J. Love Hewitt. Room. Ro- well, Room is not quite <laughs> as upbeat. Uh, Room's a little a little darker. Uh, but there are some fun. Well, this is a weird thing to say. There are some fun kidnapping movies. Oh, okay. So it could Celtic be a fun. Pride. Yeah, Celtic Pride. And it's kind of the most pertinent right, exactly. movie <laughs> right now. And Andy and I could be Belushi and uh, and what's his name? No, Ackroyd and, uh, Ackroyd and Daniel Stern. Yeah, and Stern. I have a theory that I've brought. I I don't think I brought up here. I think I I came up with it afterwards, or maybe I did here. Do I don't think there are tall burglars. Hmm. I don't think that's a thing. You get spotted too easily. Yeah. Right. And it's too hard to like get into, you know, right. tight places and stuff. So Someone I, thought John Henson was trying to rob him. 
Really? Remember that in Milwaukee? No. Remember he was mad oh, because right. he was like hanging outside of a jewelry store because he's a multi multi millionaire. Oh, right. Yeah. And they were like, "Oh, I don't know, man. Uh oh, this black guy, guy outside a jewelry this store. Guy is sketchy looking. It's like, no. no. I mean, if you want to get into stereotypes, there's a much better reason why he's hanging out at your jewelry right, store. Exactly. If, if that's who you are, stereotype guy. Yeah. You went to the wrong stereotype. Right. I would say uh, my my two front teeth are fake, and so I would have problems chewing through ropes. Hmm. Huh. Okay, because they're not—they're a little fragile. Scouting report. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> uh, get out. Good kidnapping movie. Get out. Uh, yeah, that's a also a darker tale. Yeah. Uh, for sure, but a good more kidnapping movie. More enjoyable than Room. Much more enjoyable. Yeah, laugh. Great movie. Yeah. Room. Room didn't have many laughs. That to I mean, you had to really stretch it to get a laugh out of Room. <laughs> Uh, your Joe Spinias asks Eric Bledsoe and Tyson Chandler. He's he's th starting to throw out some trade ideas. Eric Bledsoe and Tyson Chandler of the Phoenix Suns for Derek Favors, Alec Burks, and the number thirty pick from the Jazz. Who says no? Phoenix, Utah. Ooh. I uh, think I think Eric Bledsoe's knee is so bad that it is huh. not worth taking a chance. Okay. He has he's had some real. I mean, he had. You know, meniscus remove and everything. Like he's had some real issues. He continues to have issues. I think he sat a little bit this year because they were tanking. But for the most part, he has a bad knee. I don't think he would pass the physical. Interesting. I I don't think anyone wants to take on Burke's contract. But you get rid of Tyson Chandler's deal, which right. is fine. You right. know, and, and I get that trade there. But I don't think that makes Phoenix necessarily better tomorrow. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Tyson Chandler and Alec Burks are approximately similarly bad contracts. Um, I don't know how long Tyson Chandler's goes, but two that more would years, right? okay. They're each two more years. I, I believe so. I'm I'm eighty five percent. Yeah, I don't know which one you can move easier. So yeah, uh, that's and probably, then that's yeah, you've fair. got Derek Favors and and the thirtieth pick for Eric Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe. and that Bledsoe. Meant, uh, and, and and to me, I think you'd rather have the guy who put up more production last year, um, you know, injured or not, because Derek Favors' knee may be shot too. Yeah, that's fair. I just think like there is no point of acquiring Eric Bledsoe at this point. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's something certainly that has been talked a lot about in jazz circles, and heck, we might talk about it next segment. Right. It'd be more um, realistic to just, I think, cut Chandler and Alec Burks out of that equation. And then that trade gets more realistic, which yeah, is that, favors yeah, and fair. a 30th pick for Eric Bledsoe, which at that point it might be worth it for the yeah, jazz to the, test out that knee. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, li I like that idea. Uh, and one more before we go to break. Riley O'Brien asks, do the jazz still believe in Dante Exum as the long-term starting point guard of this oh. team? No. I think it sounds like they're willing to consider it. Uh, as like for next year? No, no, or, no, no. Like, I'm or, long term. I'm thinking okay. like within the next five years, gotcha. right? Like that's long term for him, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, it depends what you mean as believe in. Like, I don't know that they are making. I don't think they will open up a spot for Dante Exum to be the starting point guard in year five or year six. You know, they they won't right. hesitate to sign a guy to a two or three year deal. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree be. with that. I just I don't know. I guess I view the long term thing longer. Okay, yeah. I'm with I'm with Zach. Yeah, yeah long-term, three years, they're not going to say no in three years. He couldn't be that guy. And, and that yeah. might be why they would trade for Eric Bledsoe. Right. Because you have him for next year, and you say that needs good enough to get us through next year, and all it costs us was a 30th pick and an expiring contract. Right. And then we believe in Exum enough that he's going to make that development that it's worth, again, taking a chance on him in three years from now. Also, or two and a half years from did now. Did you see him in game four? That's him from now on. 100%. He was... Four for 12 in yeah. that game. No, that might be him for that now might be, on. Yeah, that might be who he is. Yeah, <laughs> right, great like, first half, a lot of energy. I don't know. Everything that I hear, and, and maybe it's not enough, so I don't I don't know. You know, there there's kind of the, the positive outward talk about Dante Exum. But I think there are, like, some real whispers when you when you talk to jazz assistant coaches and that sort of thing that they're just like, this guy's not very good right now, and we don't know if he'll ever be good. Yeah. Right. And, you know, he may not ever be good. I, I, he may be good, and you may have it. He may have a chance to earn that spot down the road. But I don't think that the Jazz are making personnel decisions 
to open up spots for him two to three to four years down the road. No, and I, that might almost be impossible to do now in the NBA. Right, right. Uh, you, but if you can sign Kyle Lowry to four-year, $120 million deal, go do it. Right. Regardless of whether you have Dante right. Exum. Or, I mean, Jazz don't avoid that. George Hill, right, for four years. Yes. Yeah. And, and I would do that. And I would do that regardless of whether you think Exum's the guy or not. Right. All right, we got to take a break. We've got a couple more questions from you guys, and then also uh, we want to talk more about the NBA draft one week away. You can listen to it here on ESPN 700, but for now, Salt City Hoop Show, going to break. <laughs> You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, Ben Anderson with you. Uh, continuing our talk about the NBA draft, um, before we get into it, we've got a question about another trade. Um, at just, I guess it's Justin Flanagan at Floisey. I don't know how you say his name, but uh, asks, first of all, what do you think of having both George Hill and Milos Teodosic on the roster? Checks out if they can shed Alec Burks and one of Derek Favors or JJ, I believe. I don't think you have to shed salary in order to make that work. Right. It's about... Resigning George Hill with the with the bird rights and then signing Milos to the mid level exception if you'll take it. Now I think honestly there may be if you do both of those things it, it's probably a better use for the mid level exception. Uh, you may be able to get a rotation Stretch wing or rotation four or power something forward. Like that. Yeah. yeah, you know. But if you make a trade earlier in the draft for a power forward and you have that part of your rotation figured out, then maybe you know Milos is the best use of your. Mid-level. Yeah, I mean, we saw so much with, like, it, should this guy be playing back a point guard? Should this guy be playing back a point guard with the Jazz this year? Right. That if you can sure up that position with George Hill, who is hopefully healthy, and then Milos Teodosic as his backup, and you can play them together at times, and it's less pressure for Dante Exum to be a point guard, and so he can kind of be the defender off the ball, and, you know, it's very switchy and very mismatched and everything. Um, I think that's a great use of filling out the rotation. Uh, but, yeah, I think you have to figure out that kind of stretch four position first. Ooh, we have a question from Haley Burns asking, real talk, who would you rather keep, Zach Harper or Gordon Hayward? It's got to be me. Yeah? Right? Ben, what would you, what are you saying? I actually like our chances of keeping Hayward around long term better than <laughs> I <do> Zach. <laughs> Western Conference GM told me that uh, Zach Harper <laughs> wait, Zach, is I mean, one wait. difficult to deal with. In your professional life, it was Sacramento, Miami. Sacramento, Minneapolis, Miami, Salt Lake City. <laughs> You're a journeyman. Yeah. I'm just doing a yeah. lap around the country. Right. You're a 30-point player, yeah. but you've been on a lot of teams. So yeah, but it's like a 35-shot guy as well. Sure. So it's not the most efficient Lou 30. Williams. Right, there's a lot of Lou Williams in <laughs> Jamal Crawford. Yeah. Uh, I like those guys. In case you missed it earlier on in the show, Zach is moving, so that's why we're sad. Yeah. Um, when are you moving? Are you going to be here for the show after next? Because we don't have a show next week because the NBA draft is actually yeah. on here. So this is a great question. Uh, moving by July 1st. Okay. But then I'll be back for Summer League. Oh. So well, we, like, I have the apartment until July 31st. So Okay. Um, Can I stay there? You yeah. guys are gone. <laughs> yeah, Can I, I mean, stay there? there might not be much in there, but yeah, I can keep the keep everything on for sure. you. All right, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I think I'll be back for the other show. Okay, cool. Why wouldn't I be? Seems seems yeah. good. Okay, right. so yeah. it's too too soon to have this funeral. Sure. Uh, well, I wouldn't say I'm dying. Well, am I dying? I Is mean, that the news? <laughs> not. <laughs> what? <laughs> news to Haley, too. All right, it might be easier to keep Gordon for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, uh, let's move on to the draft talk. Uh, again, last week we talked about uh, all the various prospects, gave kind of scouting reports, both Ben and I's take on them. So if you haven't listened to that show, we always put our, our shows weekly on iTunes, Stitcher, and, of course, on saltcityhoops.com. So check that out. Um, I wanted to share just a couple few things that I had learned from these workouts recently and then Great. also kind of what the Jazz trade possibilities are, the larger possibilities are, with this 24-30 and 30 pick. So first of all, uh, just kind of the four notes that I've, I've, I've know that uh, you know that may not be in the scouting report necessarily. Uh, in particular, Matthias Lasor, um, the the French big man, dominated in his workout, and that was against Caleb Swanigan, who's one of the top NCAA um, production players sure. in, in you know coming out of Purdue at the power forward spot. Lasor again, same age, um, dominated him in this workout apparently, and with his size and physicality. Uh, and I think that's that's a good sign for the Jazz that you know, as a player who is as young as he is, is used to playing against older men, did well in that workout. I think that's a good sign for his draft stock. Do you want to give a quick breakdown on who Matthias Lasorde is for uh, Jazz fans who aren't familiar with him? Yeah, he's a he's a French power forward. Uh, I forget the name of the the team he plays for in France, but it's it's a top French league. Um, he's a solid. He's a big, powerful, powerful. Uh, power forward. I mean, he's six nine. Uh, can't shoot the ball at all, but he's is, a, rebounder, is a good rebounder, defender, yeah, yeah. defender type. Uh, I like you, him a lot. You hope that his his good uh, free throw shooting percentage turns into being maybe a mid range jumper or maybe even a three point shot down the road. He, to be fair, he shoots a hundred percent from three. He has, has taken point one <laughs> <laughs> per game. But it's by far the most efficient shot he's taken. Right, yeah. I mean, 57% from the floor, 100% from the three, and 59% from the free throw line. So I'll take more threes, man. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Uh, but yeah, he's going to be a defensive player, and then maybe you hope, yeah, he's Paul Millsap. Right, exactly. Yeah, and you don't know like exactly how much this means, but Caleb Swanigan is a, a really good, like, the, he kind of reminds me a lot of Al Jefferson mm-hmm. in the way he tries to score, and so he's tried to make, he's tried to become more of a stretch guy this year to like be relevant because he's a little undersized. So and has done well at it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. So for Lasor to to dominate in a one on one matchup, you know that's that's it, pretty that's pretty promising at least in terms of how he can handle a, a pretty smart player. Yeah, and one of the better producers in the college basketball yeah. level. I think that yeah, I think that says a lot both not only about Lasor and Swanigan but also where the two leagues are right. Yeah. You know, just pro ball, no matter where it's played. Right, it's, you're it's being you're a pro exactly. Right. Uh, Jawan Evans, the the small point guard out of Oklahoma State, yep. um, great shooter, great playmaker out of the pick and roll. Uh, Jazz are a little bit skeptical that he can defend at the NBA level, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is uh, true for small people. I'm not convinced um, he's a shooter. Okay, he doesn't have actually great percentages. Oh, yeah, he I'm doesn't not, have blow you away percentages. And I'm not convinced that he's going to be good at getting a shot off. He does have a good wingspan, but he's he's pretty small. He's a sub forty percent college three point shooter. Yeah, uh, he's just so smooth. That's what people. His feel he can, for the I mean, game he can, is absurd. He can make plays for yep. sure. Yeah. yeah, but if he can't shoot at the NBA level, I, you know, I mean, obviously you're you're drafting for a backup position here, but I don't know that that's maximizing the pick. There's some draft opinion. people, and sometimes I, I say draft people. I, I mean, college people, guys who are really big fans of the college game that love him, and that actually doesn't always translate. Guys who really love watching college basketball and love what he's able to do, right. that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be great in the NBA. Like personally, I'd rather have Frank Mason, even though he's hmm. super huh. small. Like okay. I, I think he's a much better player. I mean, Jawan Evans is only 5'11". He does have a 6'5 wingspan, which is nice, but yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know that that's enough. I mean, Trey Burke was 6'1 with a 6'5 wingspan, yep. too. Right. It, just, it you know, yeah. doesn't necessarily always work out. Uh, I, I like Walt share his worries about defending at the NBA level, and then, honestly, he doesn't have that one special NBA skill that translates yeah. over to me. 
Um, anyway. Uh, Sami Ojale, uh, the gigantic, holy cow, is he strong in person. Uh, He's a monster. Small slash yeah. power forward. Like, his arms are, are cannons. Uh, Walt, thinks, Walt Perrin, the jazz director uh, of player personnel, says uh, he he's, doesn't think he can be a small forward in the NBA <laughs> right away. We'll need to add more to his offensive skills. I don't think he can be a small forward at all. I and, think he's and, absolutely a stretch forward in the NBA, and I think he can be good at that, but he has no playmaking feel at all. Right, and I think that is a worry. You know, he, he'll need to – you don't want the ball in his hand. Right. And that's, you know, whether or not that's a good fit for the Jazz offense is something to consider. Yeah. Maybe he develops that, but I, I don't know that there are a lot of examples of guys who develop that feel for the game, um, you know, relatively quickly in the yeah. NBA. And there are a lot of guys with bodies we fall in love with, and they never turn into anything. Right. What Joey Graham, right? I mean, Joey Graham had one of the most ridiculous bodies Steven anyone's Graham. ever seen. <laughs> they look identical. Yeah, those <laughs> <laughs> guys really look yeah. alike. Whenever anyone brings up Joey Graham, you've got I got another yeah, example got another of that one guy. Of that guy. Uh, you're right, though. Like you can kind of think like, oh, pro body, like. That's why everyone fell in love with Kirk Snyder, right? At, right, a, right. at a UNR, UN, UNLV, UNLV, yeah. Yeah. Oh, UNLV. The Jazz drafted him. Um, right. It was like it was like. Well, hey. Maybe it was just. Maybe it was Nevada. It was, I think Nevada. It was Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, it was like this guy, pro body, score. He's going to be right away. And I was a huge Kirk Snyder guy. I thought he was going to be incredible. Uh, I'm still surprised he's not a ten time All Star. But um, but he was a guy where it was like this guy's got a pro body, and that doesn't always matter. Yeah. Uh, and then TJ Leaf uh, worked out for the Jazz over the weekend. He only worked out one on one, so and really it was one on zero because ended up matching up against the Jazz's assistant coach Tony Lang. So okay, uh, that gives you an idea of yeah. where yeah where that was what that was like. Um, again, Walt Perrin, a quote from him says that TJ Leaf is is a better shooter than Trey Lyles because uh, we kind of asked him to make the comparison, yeah. obviously, with the guy they drafted two years ago. But he thought Trey Lyles coming out of the draft was a better playmaker and, and creator, um, which I think is is probably true. I think that's fair, yeah. I mean, TJ can really shoot the ball. Yes. And, and I think he'll be a good rebounder at the NBA level. And um, I think, like, if he's your fourth big, like, that's a phenomenal value. Yeah, I, I, I like TJ Leaf a lot. I think, you know, a level that level of production for a college freshman – and I get that he was in a good circumstance sure. with with UCLA and and Levar, sorry Lonzo Ball and the whole thing. Yeah. Um. But just you rarely see players who perform at that level and shoot sixty five percent from two point range. I, mean, I kind it's, of it's very well. I, I hate this infatuation with the playmaking four now. Hmm. It's like I get it. I, it's cool. It's like a cool, really cool skill to have. It's like a real get off my lawn moment it's, right now. <laughs> no, it's great when LeBron can do it and right. Giannis can do it. And like it's awesome when you have a four who can do that. Trey Lyles can do it, and you just can't put the ball in his hands. See, he's I, such a liability. That's the thing. I don't think Trey Lyles can do it. Well, we saw him do it at the summer league, right? Like the things he yeah. he can run the pick and roll. Okay, with the he ball can do in it his hands, summer league guys, which is ninety percent of what this kind of playmaking thing that a lot of people talk about. Like, how many playmakers are coming into this draft right now? It might be one in Lonzo Ball. Markel Fultz right. is so good scoring. Yeah. Things are going to happen around him. James Harden is he a playmaker? He's so good scoring the ball. Do you have to devote so much attention to him yeah. that he's going to make plays off of it? Josh Jackson might be a nice playmaker at the three. Okay, like, so we're talking about three guys. Right. There, there's not thirty guys that are coming to this draft. So this idea that Kyle Kuzma or whoever's going to be this playmaking four. No, give me what fours do do well currently in the NBA. And that's not saying the rebounding dunking four. No, he shoots the three and he rebounds well yeah. and he's smart and he can throw the ball back out of the post if he catches it there. I like that more than the fact that he can put the ball on the floor four times. Right. Because what is that going to happen twice a game? Even right. if he's a good playmaking four, mm. that happens twice a game. I'm now in on this take. So, okay. I mean, I think there are more. It's like of those drafting guys a point like... guard because he's a great rebounder. I love that skill in my right. point guards. I'm not taking him in the top 10 just because his best skills, he's a good rebounder. That's ridiculous. 
No, I think I think that's a fair take. I do think. Get that, off like, my lawn! <laughs> <laughs> and the, stop putting the ball on the ground, yeah. you tall people. Like it helps when you have, in my mind, a guy who isn't a record scratch at the four who catches, who can do more than catch and shoot. You know, whether that be a Danilo Gallinari. Sure, but, but you look at TJ Leaf, like he can, if, because he's such a shooter. You can you can throw him the ball on the perimeter. Someone closes out hard on him. He can pump and drive. Yep. Like he's able right. to do that. Now, can he? You know, drop off a, a a pocket pass to a, a cutting big man, or can he? You know, find the guy in the far corner for an open three. I don't know if he can do that. He's but Carl Anthony Towns, right? But he can go get a bucket in that situation. Yeah. So that I mean, that where I'm, he's enough of a playmaker for himself that his shooting creates so many problems, and he can take advantage of. That. Is Rudy Gobert a playmaker? He blocks right. a lot of shots. He does right. a lot of things so well that yeah. other plays get made. Like he can make passes. But, but does his, his feel for the game rival Stockton? No. Or, of know, course not. No. But I don't care. <laughs> the things he does well, he does so well. Does it rival Dikembe Mutombo's feel for the game? Like, maybe not. Probably not. Right? But, like, like uh, I mean, sure, and Rudy Gobert is younger. Right. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Walt made this comparison for me where uh, – Derek Favors wasn't that guy coming out of the draft. And he's he's not really that guy now, but he's gotten better at making the playoff of the short roll. Yeah. And that really helped the Jazz in, in being able to run their offense. And having a guy who could do that right away is the difference between playing and not playing in his first yeah. two, three years in the sure. league. And I think that's something to look for. I also don't know that you're drafting anyone who will sniff a lot of playing time Maybe in the first right. two, three years. Like, this is a good team, assuming they can keep it together. This is a really good team that... Um, like you're this is you're almost drafting for the stars at this point. Yeah, no, and that's a, and to Dennis Lindsay's credit, he's been a good job, Yo, done a good absolutely. job with that with Rodney Hood and and of Leafs not going to fall to twenty four, right? And the, but the reason he comes and works out with the Jazz is because they think at sixteen the Jazz can move up and get him. Right. I I could see him falling to twenty four. Oh, I don't think I don't think there's a chance he falls past twenty unless there's injury concerns okay. like there were with Rodney Hood. He's just right. Too yeah, good. maybe something crops up there. He's yeah, too much, but, and he's a player. And like he's a yeah. he's a basketball fans. Like he's a basketball guy's basketball guy. Right. Like it, you watch the thing, and like basketball fans watch him. If you go back and watch college games, like the color analyst who played for fifteen years loves the dumb pass that he makes that no one else says. And like, oh, that's a great pass out of the post. Who cares? But like every color guy recognizes it and says, like that's that's actually your playmaking four. Right. It's not the guy who goes between his legs and has the shovel pass as he's going to the rim and then fakes the layup. No, it's the guy who grabs the offensive rebound and knows instinctually where the three-point shooter is going to be wide open because he know who he knows who crashed down on him. Like, that might be the actual playmaking four that's a play that helps you win a game, more so than Trey Lyles having phenomenal balance on his spin when, so he right. can dish the ball off. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. The proprioception is overrated, yeah. as you say. Yeah. All right, got to take another break. On the other side, I want to hear from you, Zach, about the NBA Finals stuff. Um, I was there. You were there. Tell me about it next on the Salt State Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, we're back here at the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson, Zach Harper. Uh, we've got a message from a mutual friend of ours asking for a on-air commitment from Zach Harper. To do what? To do karaoke with us. Oh, absolutely. Okay. That's we could do it in we, the second hour. Bef- oh. <laughs> <laughs> can we do that? Is that is that something we <laughs> Let's not we do can, that. I don't know that we have the rights for that. Um, I, uh, I went to a place in San Francisco uh, the other night. Mm-hmm. It was the worst karaoke place I've ever been to. It was uh, one of those where you like get have a room. You ever been to one in Utah? No. I bet we can do worse. Okay. <laughs> I bet we can do worse. Uh, but it was like the just the audio quality was, so, and you're just in this small room. Yeah. But there was so much like reverb. 
Huh. Like it was just it was it wasn't fun. Well, that's that's a bummer. Yeah. Well, we'll do better or worse. Great. I'm in. <laughs> uh, speaking of San Francisco, how was it? Tell tell us about the first of all the Warriors winning the championship in their own building. Uh, that happened. Uh, for sure. What I was, was there. It, like? uh, it was cool. <laughs> like I love that building. I love being in there for playoff games. I've been you know fortunate enough to to be at some some big games. The last game I was there was uh, Game Seven against the Thunder. Okay. Where they won that game, um, and it's just like it really is. I know. It, well, it's a weird thing because like Warriors fans now have the bandwagon label because they have the best team. As someone who grew up in Northern California, like that fan base has been diehard and incredible, even when the team was horrible. So to me, the building is is keeping that up. Now, granted, people jump on the bandwagon with whatever team is winning, yeah. but that is a legitimate like a legitimate crowd and a legitimate game experience, and it gets so loud in there. Um, and the energy is just incredible. And so when like when Kevin Durant knocks down a big shot, or when you know he hits his first five shots in the fourth quarter of Game Five, as they're you know kind of pushing away from uh, from Cleveland, that place is just going nuts. And then the celebration afterwards, like David West was an experience. Like seeing Draymond Green heckle Kevin Durant in the post game presser was an experience. Like seeing Kyrie Kyrie Irving uh, being hugged by LeBron James as they walked out of the tunnel or as they walked through the tunnel to go to the locker room after the, the series was over, like that was a real emotional experience. And so like going from the first three games, or the first two games, Warriors blow them out both games, and you start thinking like, oh, oh, this is going to be real quick. And then game three, there's so much energy in Cleveland, and, and once Kevin Durant like just rips their heart out and, and hits that three with 45 seconds left, then, you, then obviously they're down 3-0, and you're just like, this is it. And then for Cleveland to come back in game four – it was funny, like everyone in Cleveland, because of what happened last year, everyone I talked to in Cleveland, like Uber driver, bartender, you know, waiter, whatever, hotel person, they were all after the game four win. They they said they, they were all just like Golden State better if they lose game five, this thing's over. <clears throat> like they were all convinced that Cleveland was going to come back and win this series. Um, and it was it's just it's incredible to see a team clinch an NBA Finals. Like it's just a it's an amazing experience to see the emotion that's allowed to come out you see kevin durant horribly drinking beer um you see <laughs> champagne all over everyone the place smells so bad uh from all that um it's uh it's just it's phenomenal i like that you exposed what you do when you're working it was like uber driver right bartender <laughs> or a hotel <laughs> there's only three places all, you are that's all you can do if you're not at work right yeah that's all you can do and it's kind of the life of people on the road yeah it's yeah. i mean so i was gone 12 days I don't know how beat writers do it. I'm not saying I don't envy you going to the finals. Like that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a hard life. Yeah, like a like two weeks on the road is is difficult. I can't imagine people are going in and out of there for six months. I think that's something that like we forget about NBA players. Yeah, you know, that's have sure. to deal with, right? Like yeah. for six months straight. I mean, sure they're at home half the time, but sure. you're on the road. Uh, it, it you feel that. I and your think. hours are ridiculous. Right. Horrible. I, I do think it's underrated how much NBA players work, actually. Like, I think yeah. they yeah. work harder, and this is not saying a lot, but they work harder than, like, you and I do talking about 100%, their craft. 100%, yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of people just look and go, oh, they went to practice. Oh, they they played a game. Someone's That's taking their a day job. off. Right, yeah, someone's taking a day off. It's like, no, Doc Rivers takes a lot of days off because he doesn't like to practice. But other than that, like, these guys work constantly on <laughs> the The other day. coaches. Right. Well, and the fourth game in five nights, and you don't play that fourth game. Yeah, I've never been in four cities in five days. I mean, I've been. I woke up early three times this week, and I'm barely here right now. <laughs> and they wake up early, and then they go yeah. and have to win a basketball game, and they do win. 
against the other best players in the world. I That's to, incredible. I struggled to go to practice the day I traveled. Like, <laughs> right. I was like, man, I don't know if I can go to practice today. And I'm not practicing. I'm just going there to ask <laughs> questions. Like, it's hard. Yeah, it, it, it is funny. Like, anyway, how we give NBA players so much stick for that, and it, 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 they don't deserve it. And they've right. got some advantages. They've got money, and they've got sure. chartered planes, and things are better in that sense. And yeah. then they've got great off-seasons, but... Yeah, the idea that they don't work hard is absolutely Getting nonsense. in and out of Cleveland is a nightmare, by huh. the way. Hmm. Unless you're an NBA player, then you're on a chartered plane, but it's awful. There are no flights out of there. All the flights go in, no flights come out. <laughs> hmm. Is there anything, and in, in really quickly, in 30 seconds? Because there's no reason to leave Cleveland. Right? What? It's gorgeous. <laughs> what was the one thing you'll remember about those 12 days? Kevin Durant shot. That game, game three, three shot where he, he hits a big shot before then, he comes down, and you knew, like you just knew he was going to shoot the ball. LeBron knew he was going to shoot the ball. You see the rhythm dribble that he does. He transfers it to his left hand and just rocks and fires. And there was no doubt in my mind that was going in. Like you just, it was a moment that you could feel it happening. And then you, it just a hundred percent made sense. Yeah. And, and obviously and stole the series. Yeah. Well, stole, I don't know. But oh, it stole. stole. The game. Yes. People in Cleveland <laughs> stole it. Okay. That I, series was better than it looked yeah. from no, big absolutely picture. Was. We got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to do our Salt City Hoops mock draft. We'll go 1 through 30 next on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Solid song choice, Brittany. Brittany Kalindris. How do you say your last name? Kalindris? Kalindris. She's our producer today. She's great. She's great. Hasn't been our producer for the last couple of months. I don't know why I said today. Baseball fan. Yeah. Solid baseball reporter, too. Uh, anyway. Better, better than solid. I like baseball. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to do our Salt City Hoops mock draft now. Um, basic idea of the format. Zach is going to go first. Uh, me second. Ben third, and then we'll rotate through the picks. We're going to spend like a minute each talking about them, and then uh, we'll do the first round. This will be fun. Sound good? I'm excited Let's about this. It. Pretty simple. Uh, you're officially on the clock, Zach Harper. Well, as LeVar Ball, I will say that I do not want Lonzo Ball going to the Boston Celtics. So the Boston Celtics with the first pick take Markel Fultz out okay. of Washington, who I do think as, not, as no longer uh, L- L- LeVar Ball, I do think Markel Fultz is the best player in the draft. Huh. And I, I think Lonzo is a worthy competitor to him. I think Lonzo is a lot better than we give him credit for uh, because I think his dad yeah. colors a lot of how we view him. But Markel is superb. Uh, yeah, completely agreed. Uh, yep. For the second pick, I take Lonzo Ball because he's very good. I think there is a real contest between him and Markel Fultz being the number one best player in this draft. I think people really underestimate how special Lonzo's passing ability and overall basketball IQ is. Yep. Um, and he's a better defender than people think. He's a better scorer than people think. Uh, he's going to be very good in the NBA. I, I don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but it, he has as good of a chance as anyone, I think, beyond Markel Fultz. Lakers at number two. Take Lonzo Ball. I would really, if I were the Lakers, I would try and get up to number one to get Fultz. I, I really, really would. I mean, I think Why there's a chance that there could be the big a gap as Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know if it's that obvious, yeah. but I think there could be that drop where if you think there's that number one guy who's a franchise changer, I would trade D'Angelo Russell and the number two piece and try and say, hey, Boston, you have your point guard. And Isaiah Thomas, what is it going to take? I'm not going to give him everything, but Brandon Ingram isn't Kevin Durant like they thought he was going to be. Right. I would flirt with some of those ideas if I thought Fultz was that much better. I have some questions about whether or not Ball is athletic enough to 
be the superstar that kind of point guards have to be, but I, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, LA Times did report today that the Lakers are taking calls for the number two pick. They're mm-hmm. open to it. I don't think they're likely to to uh, to move the pick, but I do like that. I like the idea of being aggressive and trying to get your guy. Uh, I think two and three are both the options to get traded. Uh, Philadelphia 76 are sitting at number three. I don't love any fit in this draft for them. Uh, they probably need a point guard, but they need a shooter, and the best point guard now is De'Aaron Fox. Take the best player. You always need to do that. But if I were them, I would really see if Sacramento would go 5-10. and 10, yeah. And I would love to yeah. make that trade back because then I would go back and get Malik Monk at 5. That's not the case. So I'm going to take Josh Jackson, who's just the best player on the board there. I don't, he's repetitive. They've got a bunch of big guys who are playmakers at that size and Saric and, and with Simmons coming back. But you you don't know if Simmons ever makes it. And there's still some questions about whether or not Saric is a star. So you take the best player available and you go Jackson. Because I do not believe in Eric Bledsoe, and I am the Phoenix Suns with the fourth pick, I'm going to take a point guard, and I'm going to take De'Aaron Fox. Now, I think that Fox has some real issues shooting the ball. Um, I'm not convinced that he's a point guard at the next level uh, long term. I think he may be kind of a a sneaky off-ball guy. But you put him next to Devin Booker, I think that is a phenomenal combination. This team needs legitimate talent that they can put on the floor. They drafted Marquise Chris, and they drafted Dragon Bender last year, and those are fine picks, and I think they'll – turn out to be solid players in the NBA. You need a guy who has the potential to be very good at his position. I think I think De'Aaron Fox is one of those guys. I think they've got a bunch of guys who like playing basketball, and I think De'Aaron Fox likes to win. Yeah. And I, I think they need that so badly. They've got yeah. a bunch of really good guys, and I don't know if any of them care about winning. Right. And I think Fox might come in and, and light that fire. The competitiveness will be really fun. Uh, with the fifth pick in the 2017 NBA draft, I'm looking at the the choice between Jason Tatum and, and Jonathan Isaac. You're the Sacramento Kings. I, uh, yes, thank you. I'm the, sac- the Sacramento Kings. Uh I, I don't think Jonathan Isaac is a great fit for that team just because I think he's he's there's a really good chance that he turns out to be like a starter role player kind of type um, and I you know I think basically that team needs some some upside and so I'm gonna go with Jason Tatum who uh, you know a lot of people compare him actually to Gordon Hayward just kind of an all around small forward game who can score rebound a little bit do a, do a lot of everything on the floor um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them so I go ahead and take. Jason Tatum. There are people that are questioning his jumper. This guy can flat out shoot the ball. I do not understand why people are, are questioning his jumper at all. He'd made a little bit of an adjustment uh, midseason uh, in terms of like balancing his feet, and it and since then his jumper has been unbelievably pure. Like this guy can flat out score, and I think he's going to be really good. I and think he's Tobias. I, I think he's Tobias Harris more than Carmelo. I mean, a lot of people right, think yeah, he's yeah, Carmelo. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's Carmelo. No, he's a he's a starter. But I don't think he's a superstar that you build around. Yeah, like I think he's like a he has the chance to be a better Tobias Harris, yeah. which is a yeah. good, it's a good player. player. Yeah. Tobias Harris is a good player. Yeah, now, I want him on my team. Right. If I'm just kind of out there trying to build a team, I would I would absolutely take him. I think that's who Tatum is as well. Orlando now on the clock at number six. This feels like one of the picks that everyone has just narrowed down. Everyone seems to be kind of a consensus that this is going to be Jonathan Isaac out of Florida State. He does a lot of the same things that Aaron Gordon does, but also it's not a bad thing because they're just versatile and you can put the ball in their hands. You ask him to make some plays. He can shoot a little bit. He's not a star. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. I think the Brandon Ingram comparisons are accurate if you understand you're not comparing him to who we thought Brandon Ingram would be before the draft. It's who we know he is now since he kind of doesn't look like he's going to be Kevin Durant with the Lakers. I like that comparison. I don't mind that, but it's with kind of readjusting our expectations on who that player is. Stat think, models are big fans of Jonathan Isaac, by the way. He's super smart off the ball. Yeah. yeah, he's really good off the ball in terms of knowing when to cut, knowing how to adjust himself to spot up. Like he's he can he he knows how to play without having to dominate. And on both ends of the floor, offensively, like yeah. you say, with cutting, and then defensively, just getting off ball steals and blocks too. He's very good at that. Yeah. 
so this is me. You Seventh just pick with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, the Minnesota Timberwolves really did want Jonathan Isaac, so huh. we're upset here. Tom Thibodeau not happy. He's going to stuff a kitten inside an ATM. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, that's not, it's not good American for anyone. psycho. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> but where we're going to go is Laurie Markkinen. Now, I don't know that he's going to be able to rebound and defend at the NBA level, but he might be the best shooter in the draft. And this team needs outside shooting. They need a stretch four. I think they would love for Markkinen to be a guy who can kind of play some defense, uh, really go and um, and be the stretch guy to to spread out the floor for them, give Rubio another passing option, assuming Rubio doesn't get traded on draft night. And then from there, they bring Gorgie Jang off the bench. He's kind of their, you know, Ennis Cantor, if you will, except yep. like can actually defend a little bit. And, and that's their rotation in terms of big men. I love marketing. I love yeah, that pick. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I like him wherever he lands for the most part, as long as somebody's not bringing him in to be a star. So he's not a top five pick, but I like him anywhere after that. Yeah, I, I agree. And again, I think that's actually a pretty good fit with Minnesota, too. I yeah. Just, I think it, it works. Uh, New York Knicks, always a question. Uh, yeah. It's a fun team to draft for. Has apparently been uh, scaring prospects away by making them run the triangle and work out. Gotta do it. Yeah. You just gotta. Uh, <laughs> Someone joked on Twitter, and I can't remember who, otherwise I'd give them credit, but uh, said that this is going to be the first Knicks pick that is not just booed by their fans, but also by the player himself after having to deal with the triangle. Sure. Uh, so the that honor, in my mind, goes to Dennis Smith. Hmm. Um, kind of the the myth of the not the New York point guard, because obviously he's not from New York City, but right. kind of that guy who can take over. Obviously, I, I don't believe Derrick Rose is going to be staying in New York. Um, and someone who can be that long-term potential point guard for the future for the Knicks seems like it would be a good fit. Plus, you know, there's a real good case that he's just the best player available for, yeah. to take at this point. I don't know if he's a great fit for the triangle. I wouldn't draft for the triangle, even though Phil Jackson is the guy there. You kind of want that. And not that he's a bad big body that can step over and shoot, but if you're taking the ball out of his hands early in possessions, like you tend to do in a triangle, mm -hmm. that could be bad for Dennis Smith because I think he's a ball-dominant guard. The reason he's brought up, you know, Baron Davis or Steve Francis or whoever those guys are. That's why some of those comparisons have been out there for him. But, yeah, they need a point guard and they need a score. And then you get rid of Phil Jackson. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? The, and that's, exactly. that's really the biggest move that could happen. The, uh, maybe the better triangle point guard is Neil Aquina. Uh, yeah. But I don't I, I don't know why. I don't think it's likely they'd take him. Uh, number nine, Dallas on the clock, getting older. They need it. They need everything. That's kind of a nice thing for them. Yeah. They, they can go out and draft whoever's the best player available. And let's do that. Let's just go with Frank Ntilikina. I mean, apparently Cuban has gone to France, right, to watch him or has traveled to go see him. I'm, I'm comfortable with that pick. I think I certainly think they could use a point guard, and he's probably the best one remaining on the board. Right. I agree with that. Um, he can shoot the ball. He's a pretty good playmaker. I, th I mean, everyone seems to be very high on him. I think if this draft wasn't so point guard heavy, he'd be a top six pick as a lock. Uh, so I'm the Kings at 10. I believe Malik Monk is still on the on the board. Absolutely, he is. They need a shooter. They need a scorer. Uh, I don't know how high I believe his ceiling is, but Malik Monk is the guy. Just because if he can, I mean, they're going to consider him at five. If he falls to them at ten, that's a win. Yep. Yeah, I, I think he can flat out score, and you know, honestly, I, I think there's a pretty low ceiling for him, but I think there's a pretty high floor too. Right. And you know, yeah, I think I have a pretty good idea of what kind of NBA player. I think we we talked about him as Lou Williams last week, Andy, mm -hmm. and he could be Jamal Crawford. You know, he could be that type of guy as well. And th those guys are going to be in the league for 15 years. You know, Jamal Crawford already has, and Lou Williams isn't going anywhere for a while because right. he does things uh, really well. Any concern about how he fits with Buddy Heald? Uh, no, because I think that you would expect him to outplay Buddy Heald and Buddy Heald to be a guy that you either move or he's just depth, right? Okay. Like, I, I kind of think that you, you draft Malik Monk to be the shooting guard for you, and you let everyone else fight More for those More than Buddy Heald. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
He's also like nine years younger than Buddy Hield or something like sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mind Buddy Hield once he got to Sacramento. He had a couple. He'll of, be fine. He like, had a couple of games where I thought, yeah. okay, that's promising enough that he's probably a player. Yeah, he'll be fine. But I don't know that he's a guy where you're like that guy. That guy gets his minutes, right? Like no. I think the guy has to earn his minutes. Okay, uh, agreed with that. Um, so that's our top ten. Let's do Let's a recap. quick recap. Uh, so we've got obviously Markel Fultz number one. I took Lonzo Ball second for the Lakers. Uh, Josh Jackson third for the Sixers. De'Aaron Fox, you took Zach at number four. I took Jason Tatum five. Ben, you took Jonathan Eisen's Isaac six to Orlando Magic. Uh, Zach Minnesota Timberwolves and Laurie Markkinen yes. and then for the seventh pick. I took Dennis Smith eighth for the New York Knicks. Uh, ben, you took Frank Nilekina for the Dallas Mavericks at nine. And then, Zach, you took just now Malik Monk, number 10 for the Sacramento Kings. Charlotte's on the board at 11. So far, pretty straightforward draft. Seems like it, yeah. And I think that's probably the top 10. I feel really comfortable that right. unless... There's only one guy I think that could really jump into the top 10 that we didn't pick, but... I'm sure he he's going to go in the next couple of picks. So. You don't want to with, with reveal who that guy sure. is. No, you, you might pick him. Yeah, you might pick him. You can't take him. Uh, I you know with this is something Ben we talked about last week on the show. I think there's a case that you don't want to draft Zach Collins if you're the Hornets at number eleven. Yeah. Um, because you know you've already got Zeller. You've kind of you've got Frank Kaminsky. You've right. kind of got that position locked down in some sense. Big white guys. And right with <laughs> the big, big white, white guys. Big white guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I probably go with Donovan Mitchell, who in my mind is a, the kind of player who they can use, move Nick Batum to his correct position, and and honestly, it's just a good player. I love Donovan Mitchell. I love his wingspan. I think he's a going to be a good role player right away, and then you can see if he can develop his offensive skill set to be more than what it currently is. We found out that uh, he was like kind of projected in the 20s, and then everyone found out he has a 6'10 wingspan, and he immediately jumped into the lottery. Right. Yeah. Everyone and just a 4-inch right. vertical. Yeah, he, exactly. He's a specimen. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I I I don't love Donovan Mitchell as a top ten player because I think you're drafting a guy to come in and be a star. If you're putting him next to Kemba Walker, I like that pick a lot more. Solid, and he can kind of do some of the dirty work defensively. I like that pick. Charlotte goes with uh, Donovan Mitchell. Detroit, I, I'm probably going to go with who I think is just the best player available. Even though I think this, uh, I think this is where the draft really opens up, and I think you could see a lot of crazy things start to happen here, including Detroit trying to trade out of this pick altogether, which has mm-hmm. been rumored. I think they go with Luke Kennard. I think mm-hmm. he just comes in. He's a shooter. Worst case scenario, he's a good shooter on your team. Best case scenario, he's, you know, I don't want to say Gordon Hayward likes. I just want to say he's a white guy or, right. or Jimmer Fredette light. Not Jimmer. Uh, uh, what's his name with the uh, Clippers right now? JJ. 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 Right. I apologize. But yeah, I, I don't want to say Jeff just because he's a white guy, but he's kind of a playmaker who can shoot the ball and do a couple of things. And I, I know that has value in the NBA. ESPN's Chad Ford said the scuttlebutt on him is that he's moving up into this draft. A lot of teams like him at at the end of this lottery or really in, in the end of the, the top 10. I don't know if he's a player that you thought could move up into the top 10, but Haven't that, that was up. the rumor was sure. 8, 9, 10. Uh, I, I, there's just not very good, many good wings in this draft. So Kennard's going to go because you need shooting. You need a guy who can handle the ball a little bit. There's not, it's not great wings outside of the top 10. I completely agreed, and actually, that's, that's something we I, I want to mention at some point. But I, I think there's a real case in in the real draft uh, that the, some of these big men that we think are going to go late lottery, early, you know, maybe fifteen to twenty, are going to slide a lot uh, because there are just so many big men in this right. draft that it no maybe question. may not sense to add, may not make sense to add more big men to the league to the roster. It also is what scares me about Donovan Mitchell is why was that guy in the 20s all year long, right. and then people start working out wings and realize there's no wings, and he right. jumps up to 12 all of a sudden or 10? Yeah. Okay, then you're reaching on a guy when there's just better players well, out there. And the shooting guard is the weakest position in the NBA right yeah. now. I mean, by far the weakest position. 
So, I mean, I think if you can if you can get a guy that you feel is going to become a productive player at shooting guard, then you maybe you do reach for him. Yeah. Uh, so I've got the Denver Nuggets at the number thirteen pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may be a reach, but I think if he hadn't injured his knee, he would have been a top ten pick. OG Anunobi. Okay. Ooh, okay. Uh, I think he's by far the best player available. Interesting. Why is that? Uh, I've talked to a few scouts who are just blown away by what he can do defensively. They think he'll be able to create uh, or turn into a a plus offensive player at the NBA level. And I really think I I mean if he hadn't hurt his knee, yep. he would he would be up there with you know with Tatum and Isaac and all those guys. Like he is he could be a, a pretty special role, role player in this league. Good age, twenty years old, not yeah. too old, not too young. So there's not like maturity issues there. Right. The question is the knee. Yeah. Draft Express dropped him down to twenty two in their latest mock. Yeah, I mean it, he. He's kind of going the opposite direction of a Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And, and I would take him over Mitchell any day. Though. Huh. Really? I yeah. Interesting. Any day. I have to think about it. For me, it's actually really close. I like both of those players a lot. And, I, you know, I honestly wouldn't argue with a, a team taking them in the top 10. I might like both of those guys more than Malik Monk for my team, for example. Yeah, because I do think Malik Monk, while he, I think he's an unbelievable shooter, he can't really put the ball on the floor and create. Mm. And so what does that mean for him, right? I mean, there there does seem to be a definite ceiling on what his on what he can turn into i think a lot of people are hoping he turns into like a bradley beal type i don't see that and where the jazz have gobert and he supplements so much defense for what the other guy you can you can bring in almost a purely offensive guy understanding that rudy gobert is pretty much as good as two defensive players jokic is the opposite for denver so you need to supplement your team with plus defenders and and anobi does that gallinari is a free agent you don't know if he's going to come back you kind of stock that position a little bit so i like that i like that move for denver so for me, 14th pick for the Miami Heat. I'm between two players, both big men, Harry Giles or Zach Collins. Um, and in my mind, I just like Zach Collins better. Um, I think he's a, for what he did his freshman year productivity-wise, uh, I think that his potential, honestly, may even be higher than Harry Giles, even though he's a crazy athlete and all of that. With with the Even the production he put out at the high school level, I, I think there are some questions about how he fits in the modern game. Right. Um, I mean, Zach's pretty athletic, and too, Zach's pretty right? athletic like, yeah. too, and can shoot, and is a good rebounder and a good defender. And again, what he did as a freshman is really nice. So I, I'm taking Zach Collins. I like that pick, Zach Collins. Portland Trailblazers on the board at 15. Blazers are weird; they've got three picks. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do with this is knowing that I've got later picks that I'm more willing to take a flyer on whoever's falling down the draft board. I'm going to take the guy who I think does things that I know he does and what I need, and I'm going to go out and get uh, T.J. Leaf. I'm going to get Leaf Ooh. to come in because I think he's does so many of those things because you're going to be guard heavy regardless. So I want that complimentary winning piece. And I think that's what Leaf is because he just shoots, he just rebounds and he's not going to be mad when Dame takes 20 shots a game or when CJ McCollum takes 20 shots a game because he didn't at UCLA. He played with a bunch of other stars, a guard heavy rotation there and was fine with it. I think there's a real argument to be said that that Portland ends up taking TJ Leaf somewhere in this draft, whether it be at 15 or 20. They've yeah. got 10% of the picks in the first round. There's a good odds they can get every player. <laughs> yeah, some of them I don't think they're going to get. Sure. Oh, so I'm I'm Garpax. I'm John John Paxson and uh, Gar Foreman, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the Chicago Bulls. That doesn't sound fun. Not at all. <laughs> um, all right. First of all, I'm trading Jimmy Butler. Yeah, trade, <laughs> I'm, I'm trading Jimmy Butler. Over. Yeah, I'm going to uh, start over. I expect them to screw this up. And for me, a screwed up pick here is Justin Jackson out of North Carolina. Huh, Why? I don't believe he's a shooter. Okay. Even um, though he shot the ball really well last year. Shot the year. ball really well last year. The years before that, highly inconsistent. I don't love his release point. Um, if he can't shoot the ball, he is basically like a middle management Matt Barnes. 
which how exciting does that sound? Right. But I think he's a guy like they like those kind of older, um, you know, experienced college players to grab. They grab Denzel Valentine. You know, I think that they're they they grab Doug McDermott. Like they will see him. Hey, this guy can come in and play right away, and maybe he can. But if he can't shoot, I think it's a miserable pick. Interesting. And they're a miserable organization, so that's why I think it fits. All right. Justin um, Jackson. Justin Jackson. 16, out of North Carolina. Out of North Carolina. Whew, so I'm 17. I'm the Milwaukee Bucks. It gets really hard here. Yeah. I think this is where the draft really starts to open up. I think we've got most of the most of the top guys. I think Justin Jackson would be maybe that last player I put in, that kind of second or third tier, you whatever you want to call it, because he kind of has a scoring mentality. Outside of this, there's not pure scorers. There's a bunch of good big men, and it really gets crazy. Yeah. Um, I just hated on Harry Giles. Uh, and now he's going to Milwaukee? But now he's going to Milwaukee. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that uh, he is he, hes the best upside player left in this draft. And Milwaukee, as we've seen, has been very willing to take moonshots on players. From yeah. Giannis to uh, Thon Maker last year, I think that this is another moonshot pick that may turn out well for them. I hate I like the pick. I'm curious about Giles. He really does look so much like Derek Favors when I watch him play, and Favors was the number three overall pick, and for a reason, Favors can really play. Uh, I think Giles might be able to get there, but he's never going to have that athleticism, so maybe he's more Favors today than who he thought Favors was going to be when Brooklyn or New Jersey at the time picked him. So I think there's certainly a case for that. I I hate this draft for the Pacers because they just got Miles Turner, and they just got a steal in Miles Turner, and now you've got a bunch of big guys. Miles Turner can be more of a finesse big man if you want to call him that. He but shoot a J, like yeah, he, yeah, but he's not like strictly a three point shooter. Right, right. So that's where it gets weird because I like a lot of these guys to team next to him if I want to take a a, a big man because you can probably put a, a Bam out of bio there if you want to, but I'm sure. not in love with it. So I'm gonna go crazy thinking I'm gonna lose Paul George and I'm gonna go someone with the highest upside at this point in the draft. Andy hates him. I'm going with Terrence Ferguson. Woo! Wow. A little bit of a reach, wow. but I'm gonna try and get that dynamic wing player who's gonna come in and I want him to be mentored by Monte Ellis. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm just not taking a big guy because I've got Miles Turner and that's my big guy right. and I'm I'm gonna swing You've for got the fences. Monte Ellis too. Yeah, but he's terrible. I'm just uh, I'm gonna swing for the fences and say I might have this young core and if I can trade Paul George I can actually get a couple of pieces. Like I know he doesn't want to go to. I, I know he doesn't want to get traded to L.A. because he's going to sign there anyways. So I'm going to trade him somewhere else, and I'm going to get whatever the best pieces that I can, and I'm going to go truly starting over. And I'm going to hope Terrence Ferguson can make it. To me, I think Indiana needs to start over around Miles Turner um, and more than Chicago does, and get rid of Jimmy Butler. I think Jimmy Butler is under a longer contract, obviously, right. and I, you know, I, I think that makes a huge difference on as whether or not they need to completely start over and rebuild. Yeah. Uh, so I'm the Hawks at 19. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of talented big men still available. John Collins out of Wake Forest, Jared Allen out of Texas, Justin Patton out of Creighton, uh, Bam out of Bio out of Kentucky. I like this guy better than all those guys. Huh? I don't really know how to say his la- last name. Ike Anubagu. Anubagu. Yeah. out of yeah. UCLA. I think this guy is a monster. I love him. He is a shot blocker. He's a rebounder. Yep. He will tear the rim down on oops. Like I think he needs to develop a little bit of skill and and become obviously like more of a a passing threat uh, in terms of like short roll on a pick and roll and stuff like that. But if I'm going pure upside here, he has a seven six wingspan. He jumps out of the gym. He has good size. Uh, and once Dwight Howard is out of the picture in Atlanta, I think he is a guy that you want to start at center. So he's my guy. Yeah, he it doesn't not remind me of DeAndre Jordan. Right. 
And, you know, that's a great What's pick. What's wrong with that? Yeah, and right. DeAndre's I love really those guys. good, right? And, yeah, he's the youngest player in the first round, has huge upside. You know, didn't do a lot production-wise for UCLA, sure. but wasn't counted on it. And, yeah, I think I think there's really something there. I wish maybe he was a little bit taller. But, yeah. I mean, uh, and he doesn't quite fit into what, what Budenholzer wants to do. Um, but I think he could help someone like Dennis Schroeder a lot yep. in just giving that that guy who will pick and roll and and catch the lob. Yep, I, I love him. I would have taken him at twelve, but I had Detroit, and I'm not going to take him when I already have Drummond there. Right, exactly. But also, I would have taken him at number twelve. Also, Detroit should trade Andre Drummond. They should, and, and, for, and, and then go draft an Anik Bogut. Yeah, I would have been totally fine with that. I, I love him. Yeah. He, of these big guys that yeah. there are question marks He's about, the guy I love the most. By far, he shines the brightest to me. This is such a hard pick for me, especially because you took T.J. Leaf already at twenty. Take that. So I <laughs> load them up. Uh, Portland Trailblazers at twenty. Uh, uh, you know, again, it like just by player quality, you have to go big man. Um, There's no wings left. There are no right. wings left, right? And so, yeah, it's it's hard. Uh, I I think you can because you are the Trailblazers. You can go just traditional big man though. Yeah. Uh, and given that, I've got kind of a choice of Jared Allen from Texas, Justin Patton from Creighton. Uh, heck, is John Collins still available? He's still there. Yeah, I like him. John Collins might be my guy here. I'm like going to go with John Collins. Um, again, you may worry about how he can play the center, but he's he's six ten, six eleven wingspan, and you're not qu- quite sure what kind of NBA player he's going to be. Um, but I, again, you're going upside pick, and I think he he's got it. Um, uh, good stats as a freshman, and that matters to me. You got John Collins going to what from Wake Forest? From Wake Forest, yeah. uh, going to Portland at number twenty overall, twenty one. Okay, before you go twenty one, yeah. let's go ahead and recap, recap the ten through twenty, and we got to take a break. Okay, uh, so that means me... I got to really think about this OKC pick. <laughs> You've got plenty <laughs> of time. All right, um, so we've got our, our 10th pick. Uh, sorry, we already did 10. Our 11th pick was Donovan Mitchell. I took him from the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, ben, you took Luke uh, Kennard. Luke Kennard from thank Detroit. You. Did, uh, or for Detroit. for Detroit at number 12. Zach, you took OG Anunoby uh, for the Denver Nuggets at 13. I took Zach Collins for the Miami Heat at 14. Ben, you took TJ Leaf early at number Love 15 for the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know if it's early. I don't um, know if it's early. Might be late. Might be Might late. Be late. <laughs> you, uh, Zach, you put your mind in, in, in I the tried heads to be of Garpacks. I tried to be yeah, as incompetent right. as possible and take Justin Jackson. And you took Justin who Jackson. I don't like. That's the same guy who drafted LeBron, though. And that, the only reason he has a job right now in Chicago is because he made the most obvious draft no, pick in NBA history. No, I think it was Jim Paxson. Oh, was it the other Paxson? Yeah, it was, okay. the other, it was the good Paxson. So the Paxsons are taking care of each right. other now because yeah, exactly. they're both in Chicago. <laughs> so. All right. I took Harry Giles, the high upside pick at number 17 for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, ben, you took Terrence Ferguson you in for the Indiana upside. Pacers at 18. High upside. I'm worried about how Huge bad he was in downside. Australia last yeah. year. Yeah. Ike Enik Bogu from UCLA, a pick I really like a lot and I'm a little bit jealous of for the Hawks at 19. And John Collins from Wake Forest slipping to number 20 for the Portland Trailblazers who have taken two big men so far in this draft. But that makes sense because they don't have very many big men at all. So, uh, the Thunder are on the clock. So gotta, the Thunder I, are on the clock. We got to take a break. Wait. Ben, are you, are you ready? We also have the two Jazz picks coming right. up. Next segment here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. 
All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. We've done picks 1 through 20 of our mock draft so far. We're going to upload this whole mock draft as a separate listen on ESPN 700 Sports Great. and on saltcityhoops.com so you can listen to the whole thing at once. Um, but uh, that's So if you missed any of that, go ahead and check that out later on when we upload this whole first round. Right now we're on pick 21 with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and Ben Anderson is on the board. I have no idea what to do with this pick because I hate the way the Thunder roster is built. And I don't want to draft a point guard because they have Russell Westbrook. If right. I Honestly, my biggest thought is I would try and trade this pick if I were the Thunder because they need help right away because they're not rebuilding and young players don't do much. At the same time, though, they don't have their pick next year. It goes to the Jazz. And you have to have young talent on your roster. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself killed. I think I'm going to take a point guard here. Even though they've got Russell Westbrook and my name, I'm going to let you guys pick between these two players who you think they should draft. You're going to let the competition pick. Yeah, I'm going to let Ooh. the competition pick. It's going to be between Juwan Evans... The point guard out of Oklahoma State or Frank Jackson from Duke? Oh, I think you should take Jawan Evans so I can take Frank Jackson, Frank Jackson later. <laughs> <laughs> I do think Jawan Evans is better than Frank, take, than Frank Jackson. Let's do it. Jawan Evans, he's kind of a guy who I actually yes. think you might be able to play with. Uh, even though he's kind of he needs the ball in his hands because he's a playmaker, you might be able to get Russ off the ball for like three or four possessions yeah. a game, and I, I'm okay with that. And regardless... They need a backup point guard. And they need a backup Samaj point guard. Samaj Christian's not that guy. Norris Cole certainly wasn't that guy. Um, I think that that's, that's someone they just kind of have to – it's a position they have to fill at some point because you you got to save Russ a little bit. Let's do it. Juwan Evans, Oklahoma City. All right. And he's I, a hometown guy. Is he? Uh, Oklahoma City and Oklahoma State. Okay. So you just keep him right there. That? All right, I like it. Um, all right. I don't know how to say this guy's name. The Latvian big man, Anzej. Oh, we've got a draft pronunciation guide. I oh. tweeted it out last week, but it is at the top of our show plan. It's Anzes Pasetniks. That sounds like that sounds like a name. Yeah, Brooklyn's on the clock at twenty two. Yeah, Brooklyn's on the on the clock here. Um the reason I like him here, I do think uh, it's crazy that Jared Allen hasn't been picked yet, right? Like he he's probably yeah. the best big available, but I do it think it might be a lottery pick. I think Pasetniks has <laughs> <laughs> I think he has the highest upside out of anybody left. Um, he, he's got some pretty good skill. He's a giant, uh, he moves really well for, for a guy so tall. Obviously the comparison that will be made lazily is Kristaps Porzingis because they're both Latvian, but I think that he is, um, for Brooklyn, since they have so little flexibility with the draft these, these couple of years, I think you have to go out and you have to get a guy that you think has the highest potential and you can develop. You know, if he ends up being Ilgauskas, not that he's that type of player, but right. he's a huge body who can shoot the ball a little bit, kind of like Ilgauskas could, you'll take that guy. Yeah, you'll take that every time. So, yeah, he's not going to be Chris uh, Chris Dapps, but right. he can be somewhere in between. If you can get Ilgauskas, who was an all-star and a starter for a long time, I think yeah. he would absolutely take that this late in the draft. Uh, yeah, and, you know, he's going to get minutes and time to develop in Brooklyn. And by the time he's a good player, I'll have learned how to pronounce his name. <laughs> Perfect. That'll be very exciting. 23, Toronto on the clock, Andy. Um, I like our Isaiah Hartenstein for these guys. Okay. Um, I, I actually I like him better than Pesetsnik's, Um, just because it, maybe not from a production-wise level of, of what he did in Europe, but in terms of um, what I think he can be, obviously seven feet, ideally can shoot, hasn't shown that yet. He may just be a seven-foot kind of big man who turns out not to be able to shoot. I mean, we, we've seen that guy, but if he turns out to be the player that some scouts think he can be, uh, I, I like him a lot. I think he has uh, one of the highest upsides for this spot in the draft, and so that's why I'm taking him. He's a big man. He can shoot the ball. Yeah. Uh, Germany, right? Correct. Uh, I'm not he, a fan. And he's... Oh, don't like him. I don't like him. He actually grew up in Oregon. 
That's why I don't. Like not him. Germany. <laughs> and he's, he's going to Toronto. And he's a fake German. Or like, yeah, I don't. He's there until he was like ten or something. I don't know. They did draft Pirtle, and they've got Valanciunas. I mean, right. they've got kind of a, a, a glutton of big. I like. I, mean, I like Pascal Siakam. Is that, a, is that yeah, 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 yeah. Siakam. I like it. I like it more than Hart, Hartenstein. Okay, twenty-four. Okay. Utah Jazz are on the board. Ooh. My hottest take of the draft, and maybe I, I hate to think I'm so blinded because. There's a local tie here. Oh boy! I hate to think that's the case, no, but don't do it. he's oh really not. He's the best wing this on the board, the and I'm going to tell want. you, I think here's my hottest take. This is going to be the best player from Duke drafted in this draft, Frank Jackson. He's going to be better than Tatum. He's going to be better than Kennard. He has such an NBA game, Frank Jackson at a lone peak. He shoots. He finishes at the rim. He's really good when he turns the corner. He's got great straight line speed when he does. He's that playmaker that I was talking about. He doesn't. He's not Lonzo Ball. He's so fast that someone's going to collapse on him, and he's smart enough to make a pass out of that. You I might think you it's gonna, a reach. I, I thought you were taking Kuzma. I did too. <laughs> oh, no way. Oh, yeah. no. That's 100% what I thought no. was going to happen. No. Frank Jackson, yeah, Frank Jackson I'm fine for the Jazz at 24, and I think there's a chance in the future you can play him alongside Dante Exum, and they complement what the other person doesn't do. It's a weird thing to build around, yeah. but I think he's the best wing left on the board as well. And he's a 40% three-point shooter and a good athlete. Yeah. The Jazz need athleticism, and they need more shooting. I'm very okay with the Frank Jackson pick. Very not okay with the Kyle Kuzma <laughs> pick. No. I'm going to let you guys uh, yeah, veto that. Frank Jackson, 24 to the Jazz. I'm okay. the Orlando Magic with the number 25 pick. We, they've already been given Jonathan Isaac, much to my chagrin as when I was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, he can't fall anymore. He doesn't fit because they have a gluttony of big men no. who also don't fit. But you need to trade Vucevic. Uh, Biombo, I don't think that he should be guaranteed right. any minutes right now. You have to take Jared Allen. If he, I mean, if... For whatever reason, he falls to 25 on draft night. Like, yeah. that's, that's insane. You can't but let him draft But that could happen, anymore. which is why, Andy, you were talking about TJ Leaf potentially falling to the Jazz at 24. Right. There's going to be a guy who's there at 13 that nobody thought was drafted, and there's going to be a guy at 25 who everyone thought was going to be gone for yeah. sure. And again, I think it's going to be a big man for the same reasons we have ended up with these big men falling. Like, yeah. Because I think some of these teams need wings. Some of these teams can't draft big men, or if, big men, or if they do, you know, they're, they're real questions about how they're going to be fitting in. Um, so... Yeah, Jared Allen from Texas. Jared Allen from Texas. Cool. All right, so that's at 25. To I'm 26 yep. with the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and I'm their third pick, and we've taken two big guys already. Take another one. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's a big problem. And, and for me, I think at this point I'm looking for obviously not a big man. And I, I don't even think that I want a stretch four guy like a semi ojale huh. or uh, – you know, I'm even thinking twice about someone like DJ Wilson because, again – I, I don't want to develop three young players in this draft. Um, so I'm going to go with Derek White. Ooh. I think he's a nice fit for the kind of – I like him. He, he, I think he does some of the role player things that Portland actually needs on their roster. I hate him. Really? Whoa. I hate Derek White. He's like my guy that, that is borderline first-round pick that I don't see it at all. I get that he can shoot, but the late bloomer thing scares the hell out of me. Cause it's yeah, not, that's fair. It's not Markel Fultz late bloomer where he grew four inches or Gordon Hayward where he grew seven inches right. and all of a sudden was a phenomenal player. He's always been okay, and he kind of kept moving up. He's only a late bloomer because he started at a really low-level college, and the reason he started at a low-level college is because he wasn't very good. No, but that's not true. He was also six feet tall coming out of high school. Okay, so he did so grow a little bit. He, he grew, yeah. Four he grew. inches. So he's had a little bit of the, the growth thing. I, I just think he's such a... He so needs to be able to shoot the ball, and he can shoot the ball, but he's not a playmaker. So I don't think he's a guy you put the ball in his hands, even though he's listed as kind of that point guard shooting guard. I think he's a little bit of a playmaker, and I think he is is a smart player too. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to play point guard, um, which so can he defend NBA twos is a real question, but I think he finds a role. 
Derek White out of Colorado. Yep. Senior. Yeah. Old. I know. I it's like it's it. not my usual style of pick, but you made me not draft any big men. Uh, <laughs> Brooklyn comes in. I'm on the board with number 27. I just think he's probably the best player left on the board, and I'm going to take Justin Patton. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, they, he's he's got to go at some point. He's just falling down the board too much. Justin Patton out of Creighton. Good size. Seven feet tall. Seven yeah. three wingspan. Still young. Good upside there, and Brooklyn needs as much help as they get, even if they have Brooke Lopez. I mean, they, they just at yeah. some point, they might have to reinvent what they look like altogether. The fact that they don't have their pick next year just means they have to take best players available whenever they can, and, and that's Patton at this point. And high upside guys. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, this is a coaching staff that is based on player development, right? Like, it's a lot like when Quinn Snyder came in here. Like, yep. it's a it's a player development staff. You get a guy like him, and you can develop him. That's a just kind of a no-brainer. Yep. Um, Number 28. Right. 28. The Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, this pick you know, could certainly be traded too. Yeah, certainly could be traded. They, um, I don't know that they could. So here, I'm torn between two guys here, and I, since we're at the end of the draft, I'll just say both of them: uh, Ivan Rob, okay, and Bam Adebayo. Yep. They don't really need Rob as much as they they would need Adebayo, but I think Rob is a better player. Uh, I'm gonna go Adebayo though because Timothy Mozgov can't really play. You're not gonna put Julius Randle at center. Right, like you're not going to put um, a lot of these guys they have. So I think you get him rim protector for a team that was just garbage defensively. I love him. I love Bam. And yeah, you, and you think, and you just have to think like this is a guy that we have him with Lonzo Ball. Yep, we have him with D'Angelo Russell, two guys who I think can, you know, obviously Lonzo can really pass the ball. I believe in D'Angelo's passing ability. Um, you put him with those couple of guys, he can be a threat around the basket on drives. I think he, he makes a lot of sense. And all of a sudden, you're really athletic. Bam's yeah. really athletic, and yeah. you can team him with. Some of the other younger players that you have. Ingram, Randall. And you know what? You, yeah. you probably need a little bit of Larry Nance. Like, I like yeah. you have a front court that's that athletic. And you probably need to be a little extra athletic because your point guard, Lonzo Ball, isn't. Absolutely. He's not, you know, finished on top of the rim. Right, exactly. Uh, so I want some speed. I want a guy who can do that. And I think Bam Adebayo fits in really nicely there. That's a great pick at 29. Yeah, 28. I agree. I was I was hoping to draft him with 29. And I was hoping you were going to say. You're not allowed to. I took him. Yeah. Those are the rules. <laughs> you can't draft a player with two teams. Be like, well, do you want to go to the Lakers <laughs> or the Spurs? Um, so with my 29th pick for the San Antonio Spurs, I'm going to take Jordan Bell from Oregon. Um, I love him. Love him. I, yeah. yeah. I like it. I I love him too. I, I think his his effort is is through the roof. I think he's a very smart player. I think he fits in well with San Antonio. I think they can develop him into kind of the Swiss Army knife defender that people hope he can be in the NBA. That's the 29th pick. We got the 30th pick. Andy, yeah. should we reset our nine picks and make a pick on the other side? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we've got the Jazz's 30th pick, the final okay. pick in this mock draft next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, last segment of the Salt City Hoop Show here on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper, and Ben Anderson with you. We've done 29 picks in this first round, and before we make the 30th uh, selection with Utah Jazz, Ben Anderson will be making that pick. Uh, We're going to recap the first 29 for you. So, first of all, Markel Fultz going to Boston at number one. Lonzo Ball, number two, I took him. Uh, Ben took Josh Jackson, number three, to the Philadelphia 76ers. De'Aaron Fox went fourth to the Phoenix Suns. Jason Tatum, number five to the Sacramento Kings. Jonathan Isaac, sixth to Orlando. Uh, seven, Laurie Markkinen to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I like that fit a lot, actually. Dennis Smith, eighth to the New York Knicks. 
Frank Nilekina, ninth to the Dallas Mavericks. Malik Monk falls to number 10 with the Sacramento Kings. Donovan Mitchell goes to the Charlotte Hornets at 11. Luke Kennard goes 12th to the Detroit Pistons. Denver gets OG Anunobi at 13. Miami takes Zach Collins at number 14. TJ Leaf goes relatively early in this draft, going to Portland at number 15. Justin Jackson, Zach in his evil mind, takes him at number 16. Just trying to be realistic here and, and screw up the pick. To Chicago. <laughs> um, known excellent front office over there. Number 17, Milwaukee Bucks uh, take Harry Giles. Indiana Pacers take Terrence Ferguson, playing in Adelaide this year, Adelaide, Australia, at number 18. Ike Enigbogu, the freshman out of UCLA, goes to 19th at to Atlanta. John Collins from Wake Forest goes 20th to the Portland Trailblazers. Jawan Evans goes 21st to the Oklahoma City Thunder, backing up Russell Westbrook. Anshets Pasechnitz, Pasechnitz I, sure. one of those, goes to the Brooklyn Nets, number 22. Isaiah Hartenstein goes 23rd to Hate the him. Toronto Raptors. And then Ben took Frank Jackson from Duke and Lone Peak High School 24th to the Utah Jazz. I think he's the best wing on the board. I and I think the Jazz can use some wings and another ball handler, and they showed that at times they could use another ball handler. Makes a lot of sense. And high upside. Yep. And the Jazz can go high upside right now with how good they are, and they don't know if they're bringing Hayward back. Jared Allen fell to Tex- uh, fell to Orlando. He's a Texas freshman. Uh, fell to number 25. Derek White from Colorado goes 26 to the Portland Trailblazers. 27, the Brooklyn Nets take Justin Patton. 28th, Bam Adebayo goes t- uh, f- to Los Angeles Lakers from Kentucky. And then 29th, Jordan Bell falls to the San Antonio Spurs. I don't know if falls is the right word, but goes to the San Antonio Spurs. I like that fit there in San Antonio at number 29. That leads to you, Ben, at number 30 to wrap up the first round and do the second Utah Jazz selection. Let's talk about it. Let's open it up who you guys' thoughts are, who the Jazz should take at 30. Because you've got the entire second round now. And again, there's probably 16, 15 players that I think are legitimately in contention for this pick. That I, If the Jazz picked, I'd say, oh, they must have loved that guy and thought there was really something in him. That's why they wanted to give him a guaranteed contract versus waiting 13 picks with the chance that he's still going to be there with the number the 42 with the number 42 spot and that could certainly happen. I'll say this with my I think there are two guys on the board who haven't yet been taken yet who I think the Jazz like a lot and that's Matthias Lasort who I mentioned earlier the Frenchman. The Frenchman dominated the workout that he did with the Jazz. I don't know that the Jazz put a ton of stock in workouts but I think it does say something that he was better than Caleb Swanigan on that day. Yeah. Um given that how good Swanigan was in college last year, uh, I think he might be a fit and and someone who the Jazz can see building with moving forward. The second guy uh, who's on there is uh, DJ Wilson has not yet been taken. Again, there were the rumors about a month ago that the Jazz had promised him in order for him to stay in this draft at the first round. Obviously, this is the last pick for them to do that. Um, again, kind of a, a Trey Lyles-esque fit, someone who is long, has a good body, and, and uh, can has some skills, can shoot a little bit, can drive a little bit, um, and defends at times. He's a better defender than Trey Lyles, I'll yep. say that yeah. much. Still would, has some upside despite the fact that he's 21. I would also yep. throw uh, Ivan Robin there, um, who I think I still think is the best player on the board, or Semi Ojale, who you know might be a very intriguing stretch four prospect. Right. Um, I think all those guys fit a need and – um, and our good picks here. And another name that's consistently tied with the Jazz, who neither Andy or I like, is Tyler Lydon, the small forward, power forward out not a, of not a fan. Syracuse. Yeah, yeah, that makes three of us who aren't fans of him. I don't like guys out of Syracuse, period, just because right. defensively they're a question mark. And then he doesn't do anything else right enough that makes me love him more than any of the other shooters. 
honestly, I, th- there's two names. One of the names we didn't talk about here. Kyle Kuzma? Uh, no. <laughs> is a very <laughs> Spursy pick, and they've kind of been tied to him at 29, is Josh Hart yeah. out of Villanova. He just wins. He's good. I think you know what you're getting out of him. He shoots 40% from the three-point line. I hate to do the comps that everyone else is using, but kind of the comp is Danny Green that a lot of people talk yeah. about with him. And it's like the Jazz have been tied to Danny Green forever. Right. I think you could get him at 42. And that's the question. Who's yeah. who's going to be there at 42 or who's worth waiting for at 42 that you know isn't going to be there and you have to take him at 30? Honestly, I think if you're going the Josh Hart route um, and you're hoping he falls to 42, if Dylan Brooks is there at 42... Hmm. I think that's the guy. I think he is. I like. Bruce. I think he has so much more. Ben, upside. you made him famous. I did make him. Well, I, he made himself famous by <laughs> flopping like an idiot. But uh, I love Dylan Brooks. I, think he's, I really I think, think he can awesome. play. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys don't like him. Andy, I know you're not a huge fan. Yeah, of I, him. I don't like him a lot. I, I don't know what his NBA skill is, and I know that's like an easy thing to say, but I think he's like a six out of ten out of everything on the board in yeah. in, in my mind. Um, I like Sandarius Thornwell. Uh, is my guy of is that second round score second round score guy um, because I, his his court vision is excellent for someone his size and, and his bulk and I think he defends with so much effort that I think he has a real chance to be a good role player in the league this guy could be fun just because he'll sizzle Dwayne Bacon uh, he's definitely available at 42 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the pun I don't want is Dwayne Bacon the, 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 where else draft. are we going to get that pun in I, actually okay I didn't like Bacon I've watched him a little bit more because I was looking at Isaac Bacon's a better passer than I thought he was. Okay, not a not a willing passer, right? But like That's he has good key. vision. Right. He really can to... make like he made some really great backdoor passes that I thought if I can get to him, maybe I take him in the fifties, and the Jazz could do that. And he's he kind of has a skill. He's a scorer. So who do the Jazz take at thirty? Semi Ojale. Yeah, I, I like, like his ability to step out, shoot. I hope he turns into Jay Crowder. That's sure. kind of my hope, and then he can step in and maybe play for favors pretty quickly, and then you can trade favors before the end of the draft or before the end of the year. And yeah, get I think it's a great pick. almost nothing for him, but maybe you can get him to step in and, and maybe he makes a little bit of sense. And he does a little bit of what you want from Trey Lyles, which is spread the floor, but he also does what Trey Lyles doesn't do, which is play physically. Yeah. So I'll, I I might take Semi Ojale there. And again, he's he's been good for a long time. He's been around good players for a long time because he went to Duke. It scares me how school. long around he how long sure. he's been around. Right. Right. Because he's he's I think he's the oldest player in the first round. Um, Absolutely he is, because which... he's had to sit out a year, right? Yeah. He's played two years, sat but... out a year, and then went in the wouldn't played one more. But I also, I also think it like back into the draft, you're going for quality, right? right. Like not necessarily right. upside. Like I think you go for a guy who can make a roster. Yeah, make the roster yeah. and be good right away. And I think he absolutely makes a and roster. And the Jazz took a flyer on Frank Jackson at 24. So right. you get your wing, you get your big man, maybe someone to replace Derek Favors and still shoots the ball like you needed a four. Derek White is a little bit older than Semi Ojale, just okay. correcting that. Uh that's why I hate to What are White. the odds? <laughs> what are the odds that the Jazz make both of these picks? Nine percent. I'd 9%. Say, I'd say it's 50-50. Yeah, I, I'm there. I think status quo, I think we underestimate sometimes how likely that is. 8%. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, status quo, the, the yeah path of least resistance is usually the most common. But yeah. I think there's a real chance they package one of these picks with a trade with a player like a Derek Favors and, and make a move at, at yep. some way. But we don't have enough time to talk about it. So. <laughs> I like that draft. I thought that was a good draft. No, no, that was that a was lot fun. of fun. We're going to upload that, as, like I said, as a, as a separate audio file on ESPN700sports.com, on saltcityhoops.com. So check that out. Um, and as always, we're going to upload the whole show as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and those two websites, ESPN700sports.com and saltcityhoops.com. But for now, Andy Larson, Zach Harper, and Ben Anderson. We're and we're not, we're not saying bye to Zach. Like we're he, not, yeah, he's, no, probably he's gonna come back. probably be back in like two weeks. We're good. All yeah. right.
Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Have a good night, everyone.